If you have a Bible, turn to James chapter 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be uh, reading verses 14 through 26. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the commons. And uh, just would love for you to have a Bible. So if you don't have one, that is yours to keep. Um, and you can take that home with you. But we're going to start in verse 14 through 26. Uh, here's, the, here's the controversial text of the book of James, which is why some maybe stayed home, uh, decided not to be a part of the controversial conversation. Um, But we're going to start in James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So here's the, here's the text. Bloggers love it. Uh, immature believers hate it. Um, this is kind of the controversial piece to James's letter. But, but for us, really my hope is that this becomes really freeing for us to encounter. And, and really this is not only controversial today because of, of just kind of some people taking faith and works and saying they're apart from each other. Let's not put them together. But, but even back in the day of the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther himself did not like this text. He really felt that this shouldn't make it in to the final canon of the New Testament Bible. And, and what he called James was the epistle of straws. And just kind of saying that although it wasn't counter to the gospel, that, that it really seemed to be lacking in gospel truth. But, but there's really two points here for us of confusion that I really want us to clarify and understand that, that this, this text right here is not a controversy. It's not a issue of the message. It doesn't contradict the rest of scripture. And so the issue is not really found in the text, but really in our context. And here's what I mean by that. For, for the believer that is new, for, them who, for the believer that's just stepping into relationship with Jesus, this kind of just seems like a daunting list of tasks, of tasks of pharisaical man-made religion that just seems exhausting. 
And then for the believer who's come out of that religious system, who maybe grew up in the to-dos, the people-pleaser nature of religion, just hears the word works and feels like they're going to be nauseous, like they're going to throw up in the midst of service. They just feel disgusted and they're going, I don't want to go back to that. And so really in that context, where we walk into, where we walk into from really matters. It really matters because the controversy, the conflict is not so much in James's text as much as in our context. I know for me, when I grew up, I, I felt like until about five years ago, I didn't fully encounter the gospel. I, I loved Jesus. I was following Jesus to the best of my ability, but I didn't really know Jesus. And, and I was more trying to just follow a list of to-dos because that's what I thought it was about. And then experiencing the gospel fully, it just became so freeing. And so for someone to hear, listen, it's, it's get to work, that, that kind of seems overwhelming. And, and then for you uh, scholarly types who like to really read your Bible and, and it just kind of looks like a rainbow all throughout because there's all these markings and all these underlines and circles and all these things for you, you're going, well, what about, the, what about the contradiction between James and Paul? What about that perspective? And so some have really formed this argument that Paul and James really contradict each other. And they're disagreeing, writing conflicting messages to the church. But, but here's what I would say. When it comes to reading scripture, if we go, man, that seem, there seems like there's a contradiction there. Let me give you some application for your Bible study. Ask this question. Where's the contradiction? Ask yourself that. Where in the Bible is that contradiction? And then go study it and see if there is a contradiction. Don't choose for yourself, but really look at Scripture and say, is there a contradiction there? Because really, as James and Paul are talking, they're in support of one another, not against one another. So let me give you an example. Let me give you an illustration. You're in a doctor's office, okay? For some of you, you're already cringing. So you don't like hospitals, but you're in a doctor's office and you're sitting and you hear the doctor walk into the first patient's room and he says, listen, you need to start jogging. You need to get up and you need to start running. You need to be active. Okay. And then he closes the door and he walks into the second patient's room and he says, listen, you need to sit down. You need to sit down. You need to stop running and, and you shouldn't be active. Just sit here for a while. Contradiction? No different patient. See, the the first guy is one who is lazy and obese. And the doctor's saying, listen, you you need to get to work. You you need to begin to work out these things. And, And to the other patient, the second patient, that patient has a broken leg. And he's saying, no, stop trying to fix it by, by walking on it. You, you need to sit down. You need to, you need to let it heal properly as your body was intended to heal. So, so this guy needs to run and this guy needs to sit down. And, and it's not a contradiction when you consider the patient. So here's what that means. James, in our context, as we look at scripture, James is writing primarily to highly religious people. And so he's writing to this group of believers. He's a pastor of, in Jerusalem. And, and, and he's really writing to this group that's really not doing anything. They're, they, they've been in the church for a while. Yawn. Here's another message. Fill in the blanks. Blah, blah, blah. They just kind of feel in the motion of routine. And it doesn't really mean anything. And so that's James's context. And for Paul's context, Paul is primarily writing to Gentiles. And, and so contradiction? No. Different patience. 
And so really, as we look at that, we need to understand that. And also, I think what's important, what we see in Scripture is James and Paul are, are not two apostles at odds. They're friends. They're brothers. In Galatians, we see throughout the first two chapters a very neat relationship where Paul kind of considers James as one of his pastors, as his mentor and his friend. And so when you have this close friend, it's not someone who, yes, you're going to have conflict, but you're not going to go, I disagree with you, and we're, and we're at odds here, so we're just going to write our own thing, and we're going to call it the Bible. No, no, no. These are two men working from different points together in unity. And so in Galatians chapter 1, we see that Paul takes a long trip to Jerusalem to see Paul and to see James, or to see Peter and to see James. And, and, and if you know anything about taking a long trip, you're not going to do that for someone you don't like, okay? At least I hope not. But the point here that we see with James and with Paul is that they're in friendship together. In Galatians 2, we see that when Paul was really considering the, the pastorate, that James was actually the one who vetted him, who said, listen, I, I believe that he is who he says he is. And so James and Paul are not opponents going at each other, just kind of with their own weaponry. But, but really what we see in scripture is they're back to back defending the word. They're, they're together on this. And so really James is really making a different point than Paul. And he uses those two words, faith and works. And so for our time, what I just want to do is really help us unpack those words, define those works, words, so we don't get into a, a thinking of what maybe just well up in us this desire to check out. And so when when James is talking about faith and works, faith, as we see actually in the dictionary, it's really defined as trust, belief, confidence, conviction, hope, and, and how scripture then defines faith, as we see from James, is really that faith trusts God and faith obeys God. That, that faith trusts God and faith obeys God. So if it isn't if it doesn't trust God and if it doesn't seek to obey him and, and follow him, even, even imperfectly, then, then it's not there. It's not genuine faith. And so what James is saying is that while faith alone saves us, it's a faith of a certain kind. It's not just any old kind of faith that we can, that we can doctor up, but it's a certain kind of faith. And then he talks about works. And those works are, are defined as a life of loving God and loving others. A life of loving God and loving others. And I don't speak Greek very well, and, but in the Greek, we see the word works, which is ergon. Which in James's context means, as, as we translate that, it means showing one's faith through doing good deeds. And so we see that from his text as he's writing that a, a works that he's talking about is a life of loving God and loving others. So James is not arguing that works, works need to be added to faith, but rather his argument here is that genuine biblical faith will inevitably be characterized by works. So he's saying this is the outward expression. And so we, as we see from James, what he tells us is that faith without works is dead. Faith without works 
is dead. And people with this kind of faith, what can get kind of confusing is they can know all the right words, all the right prayers, and they can know all the information of what sound doctrine is. And they can even quote all the right verses and have all the right behaviors. They can look like the perfect poster for the church. But here's the truth of the matter. If faith doesn't lead to a transformed lifestyle, it's dead faith. It's dead faith. It's not active faith. And so there's really some differences between dead faith and active faith. That dead faith is really just that appearance of Christianity. And so it's someone whose belief is really personal. It's not something that's shared going, well, this is what I believe. I I like Jesus, but I don't want to talk about him with you. I don't want you to invade my space for me to have to share the gospel. It's personal for me. Don't invade that. It's just the appearance of Christianity. Another example of dead faith is someone who just kind of goes to church when it's convenient. When they go to church, maybe some of those that we would see on Christmas or Easter, you know, we call those Keister Christians. And those that just kind of show up on those weekends only. Or maybe another example is focusing on saying and doing all the right things. That they really see that, that their faith lived out. This appearance of Christianity is, is in living to the best of their ability, living perfectly. So doing and saying all the right things. And really the greatest example, as, as James brings up, about what dead faith is, this appearance of following Jesus, but not really following Jesus, is those who, who, who live worldly Monday through Saturday and really worship on Sunday like everything's fine. So, so during the week, their life is all worldly, and then Sunday they're going, man, I'm, I'm great, I'm all good. And here's, here's the interesting thing. There are those who would never attend our church for the reason that that is a big struggle for them. And, and not saying they're, they're struggling with being worldly, but they're struggling with those who are being worldly and, and walking in. And, and, and we talked last week how sometimes that can be some, somewhat of, a, of an equal judgmental thought. But, but two, I have, a, I have a friend who I've tried inviting to our church week after week, and he will not step into this building for one reason because he's an officer in Burlington and he doesn't want to come into our service and see people he's arrested. And, and I'm not, don't look around. I'm not saying that. Okay. So don't, 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 don't start going, man, who is he talking about? Cause I'm not talking about anybody, but here's the struggle for that person. They see dead faith and it just becomes toxic. It becomes, it becomes something they cannot handle and, and, and not fully understanding grace. Just going, man, I can't deal with that. Can't deal with someone that, that, I, that I arrested for selling drugs on a Friday who's going to come in on a Sunday and just praise Jesus like it's all fine. Not working out their salvation, but just going, oh, I'm, all, I'm all fine. Living worldly Monday through Saturday and worshiping like everything's fine on Sunday. And so those are just some examples of what dead faith is. But active faith is someone who's in pursuit of Christ and pursuit of his church. So it's really someone who's seeking Christ behind closed doors, not making sure the curtains are wide open and 1065's blasting as they open up their Bible, but someone who's genuinely behind closed doors, continually seeking Jesus, asking Jesus, make me more like you. Someone who by that chooses Christ over their own comfort is continually walking in relationship to actively serve the church, not just here on a Sunday morning, but, but, but every day, actively serving the body of Christ and, and someone who has a heart as a disciple of Jesus to see other disciples and help them walk in discipleship.
And so the differences between these two are really huge because here, here's the key to weeding out dead faith and active faith is that faith that isn't actively following Jesus is something different than faith. Faith that isn't actively following Jesus is something other than faith. And what that means for us is that without action, we're just one of those people walking around saying, I'm spiritual. So, so it's just a religious person, a religious plan, void of relationship. And, and so for us, a living faith is really expressed by deeds of Christian love, such as, as we learned a couple of weeks ago, looking after widows and orphans in their distress as James says in chapter one, verse 27. And so really, if you're one of those people that, that, that gets lost in a 30-minute message, let me give you the sentence of this whole time. The point of this whole time is that we don't work to be saved. We do not work to be saved. We work because we are saved. This becomes the outward expression towards others of an inward change, of the transformation, the full experience of the gospel where we say, man, I can't believe that. I know for me, when I fully experienced the gospel about five years ago, like I said, that, that changed me. That, that begun a, a change within me where I didn't want to just go, man, I'm going to do my 10 minutes in the morning and have some coffee and, and go on, love God, love people, and just keep it at a simple basis. I wanted everything to change. And so really for us, for us to work because we are saved becomes an outward expression of fully experiencing the gospel. And, and with this idea, we see this throughout scripture that actually John the Baptist even went after the religious. He, he went after those that were just kind of doing the checkoff system, telling them, really, you need, to be, you need to be true and you need to be an active faith. And he says this in Luke 3, verse 7 through 9. He says, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood vipers. So he's not addressing them and saying, hey, guys. He's saying, you brood of vipers. This is intense language. This is offensive language. And he's saying this. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore... That does not bear fruit, bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so what that means for us to live out active faith, not that's dead, but that's alive, means we need to bear fruit. And I think we really need to discern what that means. In the backyard of our house, we have two apple trees. And when we, when we showed up last year uh, and moved in here to Cedar Woolley, um, we really enjoyed uh, the fact that we had some kind of fruit tree and we really thought that was awesome, but we've done nothing to maintain it. We've done nothing to earn uh, good fruit. And so uh, my brother and I were out, I think a couple weeks ago and, and uh, I was like, yeah, there's apples back there. And he ate one and he's like, this is awful. This is awful. So what we really need to do here is we need to discern what, what is good fruit. It, it comes from active working faith. And so for us, it can't just be saying, I'm, I'm planted, I'm planted, but, but we're working that out. We've talked about how bearing fruit means there's a process of pruning. We're intentional and we're working that out. 
And so faith without works is, is dead. And then what James tells us of another kind of faith is that faith apart from works is useless. In verse 18 through 20, James is pointing out a specific issue in his discussion to really just defend his position. And really what he's implying here is that faith can't be demonstrated apart from works. You can't separate the two. You can't make them apart from one another. And and really what he's pointing out, I I don't know if this is an actual person that we read about when we read the scripture earlier, but really it seems there's an antagonistic believer, an antagonistic uh, just opinion on on how they can just have them apart. And, And so this is really a different issue from dead faith that James is addressing because you have two parts that you're trying to maintain separately. He's saying you're trying to not say you're trying to say they don't really work together. So the issue here is a false kind of works. So this false kind of works, a a, a building on of beliefs, not real true genuine works, but, but just building on the belief and calling it works where it's really just an intellectual knowledge, a a theology and a a doctrine that just says, here's, here's my belief, no no works. And James is saying, I I get your belief. I'll show you my faith by my works. And so this is where James points out that, Hey, remember that even the demons believe and, and actually they know more than you. I guarantee you that they know more than you. So it's not just about your knowledge. It's not just about your belief. So what this produces, if we fall into this, is just this head type of belief and calling that works. Well explained, well defined, but without trust and without action. And so let me give you an example of what James is kind of talking to. Let me see if I can explain this a little bit to you. It's kind of like our chairs here in the auditorium. When you walked in the door this morning, you sat down because you believed that that chair would hold you. Because if not, you'd look really awkward sitting there with full of fear. And so when you came in and you sat down, you had full belief and by your belief, you put your belief into action and you sat down. And so what James is addressing for the believer saying it's, it's apart from works is he's really saying, okay, you believe that the chair is going to hold you, then sit down. You believe that this will sustain you, then, then sit down. And, and there goes to be sometimes in our lives this, this argument, this, this antagonistic approach as James is addressing where, where we talk about belief, but we don't put it into action. Do you believe? Absolutely. Absolutely, I believe. Then, then sit down. Then do the part. If you believe, put it into action. And, and that person goes, no, 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 no. Let's just look it up online. Let's talk about the chair. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's analyze the colors. What is the definition of how this was designed? Where did it come from? Let's, I, okay, do, do you believe that chair will hold you. Yeah, yeah. Then sit down. Sit down. And, and, and on and on it goes. If it's just in belief and apart from an active working, then, then it's just this head type of belief. We're, we're on and on. It goes back and forth. Do you believe? Absolutely. Then sit down. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What James is saying is, is your faith, your belief here, apart from your works, apart from putting it into action, that's just useless. And the danger we really get into here, church, 
is that when we just have this belief and say, actually, I, I have a belief of just a full, robust belief of theology. I've got a, a, a ton of thick theology books. I've got doctrine that would make you just overwhelmed. I've got all of these things. I've got studies of eschatology. I've got studies of end times. I've got studies about studies, about studies, about studies, about studies, about studies, about studies, about studies. You feel tired yet? And so let me tell you that these things are, are good, but they alone are just alone. And so there, there are many people who have an incredible awareness of scripture, have incredible discernment of understanding it, but, but no action. So do you believe? Do you believe that that will hold you? Do you, do you believe in sitting down in that chair? I, I do. Then sit down. Put that piece into action because apart from that, it's useless. There's no point to it. And so for us, we have to put this into action, not view them as a part, but, but together. And so James really concludes as we see that faith that works, a faith that works demonstrates Christ in us. So James is not saying that people must perform works for God to accept them, but rather what he's arguing is that an individual's true and genuine conversion will be shown that outward expression by deeds of Christian love. And so those deeds being the outward expression, the outward proof of our conversion really is a natural outcome of being faithful to God, being changed by God. And this is actually where we see Paul and James come together in perfect alignment. Where, where James is not arguing against Paul, but he would stand with Paul in this truth. That Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10, Paul says, By grace you have been saved through faith. By, by grace, not by your works. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works. Okay, so it's not by your works that you are saved. And, and Paul even says, so that no one may boast. It's not about how awesome you are, as we've talked about. It's about how awesome God is. And so in verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works, which God prepared beforehand. And catch this, that we should walk in them. And so from Paul and from James together, our walk as believers is that we are saved by faith, by grace, for good works in Christ Jesus. And so really for us to apply this this morning, I think what's really important, what, what is, is critical for us as we walk out for, from here it is to understand that those that delight in the Lord really walk in a kind of, of discipline, not an idea, but a faithful discipline that leads to loving God and loving his people. So, so walking in this discipline day after day, sometimes moment by moment. And, and so let, let's just face the truth, the reality that sometimes in our lives when we get busy, when things get in the way, when things get difficult, we don't want to deal with difficult people. Okay? You can say it. You can say it. Let's be honest here. Because you're thinking it. 
And as you go out and and who you're choosing to spend time with today is proof of that because you're not gonna spend time with those other people that you kind of feel sometimes are difficult, okay? So really the answer for us to demonstrate Christ in us, the answer is not just for us to try and make it work with difficult people, entering into these conversations in these groups going, I'm so glad you're here and I love you. And you just look like you're in agony. And, and, and so what, what James is really telling us, what we need to really apply to have a faith that works, it, it's really for us to fall more deeply in love with Christ. Because there are some of us here this morning, church, that, that know a lot about Christ but you're not in love with Christ. Because to be in love with Christ means that you're gonna walk in such a way, you're gonna love in such a way that it's like Christ. That that really then causes you to see others and move towards others in the midst of your discontent, in the midst of your agony going, these are some difficult people. In the midst of that, seeing others and moving others towards them as Christ does. And so a faith that works is really active in this. So together this morning, my my prayer is that we would choose to have this type of faith that's active and working by loving God and loving his people. By loving God and loving his people. And so as James really gives us this, this clear application for you, maybe you're just kind of sitting there going, so how do I move into a faith that works? Maybe you're someone who, like me, you just overanalyze this question for moment upon moment. In the next couple of days, you're just going to go, so where do I go from here? So let me, just, let me just give you some things, church. Move into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And there is, no, there is no better formula. There is no better format. You can Google all kinds, but the best is get at a place where you're not distracted and just go before Jesus and say, I want to walk in deeper relationship with you. Get at a place with Jesus and then ask him to show you the truth about yourself. Okay, where am I, where am I at odds with this? Where, where am I not in alignment with a faith that works? And, and then from there, get to work. You believe, you believe full, S- sit down. So for you, if you're, if you're going, how do I walk into relationship with people? Well, earlier I shared, come, come hang out with us and learn how to care for people next week. Come be a part of that. C- come figure out the behind the scenes place. If for you, you're going, man, I, I want to share that message, but I don't know how. Our, our kids program needs people all the time who love Jesus. I'm not going to give you a list of signups, a list of to-dos. The point is not to give you all of these things so you go, oh man, I got to work better in the program. If you're someone who goes, man, I've served a long time and I feel tired, then, then that's, that's not what you need to hear. What you need to hear is go get alone with Jesus and learn to be in deep relationship with him. If you're someone who's walking in that, you're going, I don't know what to do with this, then go get to work. You wanna know how to show the world that you are the church? Go serve the church. Make it more than about your belief in sitting in that chair. Now now in that, go 
and work. And so for us to have a faith that works is really about us demonstrating to others Christ in us. Let's pray.